Welcome, everyone, to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David <laughs> Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? <laughs> Do not take a rip before or during the intro. Never a good strategy. Where were you at? You were at the Bitcoiner conference, weren't you? Where was that? Yeah, no, I was at Bitblock Boom this past weekend. Where was that? It uh, created quite a splash. It was in Dallas. In Dallas. One day conference? Yeah, it was pretty much a one-day conference. Uh, there was activities before the day before and after as well. So it was a whole weekend event, but uh, definitely pretty small, uh, tight, tight sort of an event, mm-hmm. less than 200 people. It was a good time. Yeah, so what was that presentation that all the Ethereum people are triggered about? Oh, man. So funny. That's actually the first thing on my list to talk about <laughs> me, as well. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, so the presentation was by Michael Goldstein, a.k.a. Bitstein. And who is he? Um, he is a longtime Bitcoin maximalist, uh, one of the co-founders of the Nakamoto Institute, which is a fantastic resource for everything Austrian economics and Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, I mean, I think that him and Pierre, uh, his kind of partner in crime, are absolutely brilliant. Um, so, uh, it was great getting to meet both of them. I've actually met Pierre a couple times before, but first time I met Michael, it was great to meet him. And to be honest for everyone that was at the, the event, his, uh, his talk was completely satirical. It was a- absolutely hilarious. And I was actually like texting David like during it just because I was like, ass- I was laughing my ass no off. No fucking way. It was actually total satire. I mean, he was trying to be sarcastic, but at the same time, it was like one of those things that was definitely like. Hey, I'm gonna educate you how to meme appropriately on Twitter, but I'm also gonna like, you know, turn it into something completely ridiculous. If you look at the transcript, one of the very first things that he says is like, "Welcome to my ridiculous TED talk." So, <laughs> you know, he knows that he he knew it was like ridiculous from the from the get go. So it sounds like he made the presentation with the intent of uh, distilling and satirizing Bitcoiners. And on top of that, trolling the out group, which is funny because the talk itself mm-hmm. did exactly what he said to do, yeah. which was troll uh-huh. the out group and enrage them, but don't actually give them any answers. Was it your screenshots that were the ones that proliferated through crypto Twitter or was it somebody else's? Well, I think what got people, so Brian Bishop, who is, uh, I, I'm not sure if he's a core contributor, but fantastic developer and uh, contributor to the the Bitcoin ecosystem, he... Uh, he can pretty much live transcript. Uh, he types incredibly fast. So he transcribed it almost perfectly, you know, as Michael was giving the presentation and posted it like within two minutes of the presentation being done. So that, that transcript, that definitely made its round. And uh, Ryan Sean Adams, former guest mm-hmm. of the show, uh, had a good time cherry picking little pieces uh, to be outraged about. Yeah, I'm not sure he knew it was satire. I didn't know it was satire until just now. I actually thought it was legit because, I mean, there's it, there's definitely more than a kernel of truth to that presentation. Like, the reason why it's funny and hilarious is because it's 100% accurate. Well, not 100%, but, like, it, it's distilled some, you know, some good kernels of truth into a presentation. Um, so what do you think was a good kernel of truth? Oh, uh, I mean, it's, it is absolutely the Bitcoin strategy. Like when when I buy, it's Bitcoin, the trolling strategy. Any anyone trying to troll uses that strategy. I'm talking about here. Let's pause for a moment while I pull up the slides. 
Relentless propaganda. Rule number one, there is no bad news for Bitcoin. All public-facing Bitcoin propaganda should be relentlessly positive. Anchor on the most bullish position. Specify nuance from there as needed, as deserved. I mean, this is what actually Bitcoiners do. This is why you can go around and surf through Reddit into any subreddit, not crypto Reddit, and you can find the comment, this is good for Bitcoin, just as a meme from non-Bitcoiners, because the whole this is good for Bitcoin has turned into a meme. Um, But the reality is, is that short of SHA-256 breaking, pretty much everything is long-term good for Bitcoin. Right, so you're doing it right now. We actually believe that. It's not not anchoring. It's just straight up uh, a generally accepted belief. See, that's why when it gets proliferated in the Ethereum community and and, and just or the non-Bitcoin community and everyone gets super upset, it's because like you guys, this is actually the plan. Like it's actually true what you what the presentation, even though it was satire, it's satire about the truth. Right. So I have a question. If you were to look up Mm. any comedy show. Or wouldn't you say that a lot of comedy is like satirical but true to some degree? Like they're it, it always yes. like they're good comedy yeah. like latches onto reality. Yeah. I would say so. I would say I would agree. Now with you that take sure. a good comedy show, transcribe it with no context and put it on the internet. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I think where people just needed to not pay that much attention to it. But like, especially when you take those screenshots, and and if you're just reading it on Twitter, Twitter's meant for quick takes, right? And so you see the screenshots, and you're like, yeah, and it perfectly maps on to the truth. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing uh, that was a lie in his presentation. That is the the Bitcoin hive mind follows that presentation to a T, and that's why that's why he made the presentation. I'm not going to comment on any of those specifics. What I was going to say is like when I buy Bitcoin, it's because of the Bitcoin community following that that marketing plan. Like I don't buy Bitcoin because of the value proposition of the Bitcoin proof of work blockchain and, and, you know, OG decentralization, blah, 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 blah. I buy it because I know there's a fuck ton of Bitcoiners who are following that marketing plan like that. That's what Amin was saying on our podcast. He's like, please pump my bags. I hope the number keeps going up. Yeah, but see, here's the ridiculous thing is that a lot of the kind of Bitcoin skeptics on the ETH side of things will just say it's strictly like this meme quality. But meme quality doesn't, it doesn't emerge out of nothing. The meme quality Mm -hmm. is deserved and then it's reinforcing. So, right. You don't have the meme without the fundamental block. Exactly. So it's not like, it's like, okay, double spend me. If it's just a meme coin, double spend my transactions, take my Bitcoin. Yeah. You can't. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, you're, no, you're totally so. right. But like the thing is, like people buy into the meme; they don't buy into the double spend. But you're right; you can't have one without. Hey, the that's other. why he said meme it to the moon. Not the fundamentals yeah, are taking it to the moon. To the moon. <laughs> but he did say that none of us are actually necessary, and hard money will just dominate. So I don't know. If you read through the whole thing, I think it was it, it was pretty accurate. If you go to the end, uh, you know he advocates be a troll that knows his information. Don't be a bad troll. Um, mm-hmm. make sure that you anchor everything in truth and reality. Uh, so don't use ad mm-hmm. hominems, insult, you know? I mean, that's just general good advice for people. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was... It's not even specific to crypto. You know, hey, if you if you want to use memetic warfare, read the read the presentation, watch it. I think it's coming out in a couple of days. Uh, you know, don't don't get caught up in the in the outrage. See, I think where the 
Ethereum people got upset is the whole troll other projects um, slide, the, the part of that presentation where he was telling people to like shit on other projects and only talk about Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin because it's like right because it's denying the value proposition of other projects like we want i would like it if the bitcoiners and the ethereans held hands and skipped merrily into the future like why can't we do that we're both of our blockchains are doing cool things for the world like if you don't think ethereum is doing innovative positive things for the financial landscape of the world like i there's just it just makes no sense like especially when we have like mariano on who's who's talking about the argentine peso dropping 15 percent in an hour and he's living off of die like come on they're both these both have fundamentals and we don't need to shit on each other just to pump our bags i mean i i feel like i Mm -hmm. i emphasize i empathize with that but there is a fraction of the bitcoin user base that aligns with this mm-hmm. um hardlining extreme maximalist uh thinking mm-hmm. and you know that's that's their take there's a lot of people that are in the bitcoin community that or that are that use bitcoin that are amongst their own communities that feel differently including a lot of ethereans so you know yeah. if you're gonna go to the jihadists and be like Yo, don't be a jihadist. That's a pretty hard sell, but you know, there's a lot of freaking people that are Muslim out there. Mm-hmm. So, but at the same time, the the maximalism, the hardliners, they are absolutely necessary for bootstrapping of money and extremely helpful for Bitcoin in its progress to dominate. Yeah, yeah, for it's good for Bitcoin. I'm not. I'm not going to say that it's a net positive for the world at large if they have to shit on other things to other legitimate things to do it. Yeah, but what's legitimate? Like, okay, we've had a year of slightly legitimate emergence. Like, there's been three or four years of just garbage coming out of uh, whatever permissionless that ETH has provided. So you got to give these people time to kind of refresh their heuristics too. Like two years ago, Bitcoin maximalists were the good guys. I'm sorry, but. A lot of people in the ETH uh, community and all other blockchain communities were really embracing scams, bad investments, things with no fundamentals, tokens on everything. And I think that they were really wrong and they screwed a lot of people out of billions of dollars. Yeah, and we have, we have to be careful because we can't homogenize. Not everyone was doing that. And some people definitely were. Like the crypto Twitter a conversation right now is talking to, like listing off all the ICOs that Vitalik uh, advised. And like most of them... Like the only one I had a problem with is the 10, 10x, which is like the crypto card, I think, because like he has a payment card. The only, that was the only one that's dumb. Like Augur, Amisego, um, Gnosis. Oh, come on. OMG is straight vaporware so far. Where the hell is that? Right. But like you don't, that the point of the project is legit and the token is also legit. Like the token economics of the token are very real. Everything about the project is real except for the fucking product. And you can't blame them for not executing. That's just, that's just startup risk. Like that's normal. Sure. That's, that's found in the non-crypto world. Um, Absolutely. But uh, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of people that were really turning a blind eye and being rather, uh, at least accepting and not down talking. Like I didn't see uh, Vitalik going out there and like every day saying, "Hey, you know, I wish that people wouldn't, you know, peripherate these scams throughout my community or throughout the ETH community." But yeah, I mean, kind of like biting your tongue is almost like not saying anything. 
I mean, a lot of core de- devs like Vitalik and and um, any of the the ETH one devs that were around from fifteen to seventeen, they they were extremely butthurt about the whole um, pump my bags thing. Like Vitalik stopped taking selfies with people because he would be included with their like ICO. Uh, like Vitalik's our advisor, and then he would say like, No, I'm not. You just took a selfie with me, so he had to talk. He he stopped doing that. Like th- th- I remember a lot of ETH ETH developers that were OG from the start, like being extremely butthurt about about the the ICO mania, um, and so I think I think we could also say that there's cherry picking on the Bitcoiner side about how reflective in truth that that was. A lot of people like like Ryan Tron Adams on our podcast was like the ICO was this innovative way of sourcing capital. Uh, and then and then it got abused, um, and that's real. Like the, the, an ICO is an interesting way to collect capital and and organize people. Uh, it just most of the time didn't work because of the fundamental behind it. So like we're going back to like there is that one kernel of real fundamental value, and then like there's ninety percent of just bullshit meme memes on top of it that that you know drive it to the moon. Absolutely. And again, I think that there's tons of nuances. And that's why we do this show. I mean, both of us have very strong opinions. But at the same time, I don't think that either of us really fall into the camp of blind maximalists. Um, Mm -hmm. At least I definitely don't feel that way about myself, nor do I feel that way about David. So maybe y'all feel differently. But I think that we're not blind maximalists. And we like to talk about the nuances. Like if I was a blind maximalist, I would say that the ICO mania was good for Ethereum, which obviously was because it drove a ton of capital and developers into the Ethereum ecosystem. So if I was like a super toxic maximalist, I'd be like, yeah, more scam ICOs, the fucking better because they're using my blockchain and everyone's bringing users and blah, 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 blah. So ICOs are good for Ethereum, which is totally fucking true. Well, this comes to my uh, position that everything is good for Bitcoin, right? So custodial lightning wallets, uh, ETH ICOs, all of this stuff is net p- positive for Bitcoin. And if your system is anti-fragile, then pretty much everything is net positive for it too. Even though it may screw individuals out, it's net positive for said anti-fragile system. So the mm-hmm. ICOs were absolutely pivotal in making Ethereum a blue chip crypto. And a lot of freaking plebs had to burn to make that happen. Yeah. And I think a, a decent amount of the toxic Bitcoiners are just butthurt that it happened on a different blockchain. No, see, I don't agree with that. A lot of these people really, really want to give good investment advice, and they think that Bitcoin is sound money. I don't think that they're butthurt. Yeah. In fact, like I Some. disagree with them. Some. I'm like, look, all of this shit is good for Bitcoin. Okay, like it's bad investment mm-hmm. advice, but it's all good for Bitcoin. And they're all, like, right. I'm saying that to them at these Bitcoin Maximus conferences, and they're like, "Fuck you, Christian." Right? They're <laughs> really like, dude, you you're an idiot. No way. Mm-hmm. Like this is bad. We gotta protect investors. Right. So I like I really mm. don't think the most of these maximalists are in any way but hurt and they really don't want scams and shit like that on Bitcoin. They really don't. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, but everything's good for it, Bitcoin. Does that conclude this topic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can talk about how fucking crazy crypto Twitter has been lately. Yeah. Preston Byrne blocked me. That's whack, man. Which which is bullshit because I literally said please in my te- in my in the last tweet to him. I, he was, I, he was, I was telling him that he needs to stop using centralized exchange data, which is wash trading die volumes, because he was talking about how die volumes all fake. 
and he points me to like Bitbox Exchange, and which has like 10 trillion die volume over the last 24 hours. And I'm like, dude, Preston, no one in the Ethereum community ever looks at that volume data. We all go to on-chain data because that's where the data is for DAI. Please use this data. And then and then he blocks me. Like it's it's so frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna condone blocking people, especially if they're trying to have productive conversation with you. Like, hey, if they're gonna mm. be relentless trolls, okay, you can block them. Personally, I prefer right. to mute. Muting mm. is very effective. But uh, yeah. But blocking someone who's like blocking is just giving good points against your points, like even mm-hmm. if you could, mm-hmm. I, I think Preston was like mostly right. I mean, granted, like you know that the exchange data is wrong, but a lot of his criticisms of that I agree with. But um, you know, the action of just blocking you uh, because you are making honest discussion is stupid. We should get him on the show though, Preston. If you're listening, come on the show, have some balls and debate David for real. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure I want to give him a platform, but maybe. Do it for the marmots. Yeah, what the fuck's the mar? Do you with the marmots? He's just a weirdo. He's obsessed with he, marmots. He just like marmots. They're cute though. I've seen them. Okay. All right. What's going on in Ethland, other than getting outraged at uh, Bitcoin trolls? Yeah. And now, and now, defending ICOs. Um, let's see now, what is hey, going on. I was actually Bitcoin. earlier defending Tether. So sometimes when yeah. you try to explain the nuances, you find yourself like, God damn it, why am I defending this shit? <laughs> Like, I don't give a shit about you Tether. You only wanted to defend, like, one small portion of this project. Oh, I just found I just found $5 in my pocket. Um, Get that dirty fiat out of here. What's going on in ETHland? So there's this bunch of, uh, a bunch of hubbub about our ETH trader. And our ETH trader was created to talk about, like, speculation in tokens during... I think it started super early, like, in 2015. Because it started you mean as perpetuating our scams? Um, it started in like 2015 as like our ETH investor when ETH, Ethereum was going through its own ICO. And then in 2016 or something, it turned into ETH Trader to look at charts mainly about Ether. But then like, you can see a chain link chart in there every now and then. Uh, and, um, and then we had this. Is Link a scam? I, I, I don't know enough about Link, but I don't think so. I think it's legit. It's got, it's got advisors that I trust on it. Like Vitalik? Uh, not Vitalik, Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> all right sorry continue telling us about you i'm just being a dick now <laughs> and so um in the like maybe six eight nine months ago our eth trader did this donuts thing where every upvote that somebody got from uh, a comment or a post or something got tokenized into donuts on ethereum as an erc20 and then you could put them into uniswap and they were actually trading um and uh, the main the main ad, uh, admin or moderator of our ETH trader, it was his idea, and none of the other admins really thought it was all that cool or interesting, but he just went for it, and they were like, all right, we don't really like this, but whatever. Um, and then not too long ago, he, uh, with his admin rights, took away admin rights for other admins uh, without consensus from other admins. Uh, and so uh, basically... They forked our ETH trader and now making our ETH finance, which is way better anyways, because then we're not talking about speculation. We can actually put talk about like DeFi, right? Or in the future, just FI as in finance. And so we'll go to ETH finance. And so all the good moderators that I enjoy, who are my friends, have moved over to our ETH finance. Uh, and like the, the num- I think the number of subscribers in our ETH trader just got cut in half in like 48 hours. And our ETH finance is the fastest growing subreddit in, on Reddit right now. So that's pretty cool. Um, so that, that's, our, that's our drama, our internal drama. 
Um, so if you guys are on Reddit, uh, go to our ETH finance and subscribe. Oh, man. This is just funny. I feel like it's a little fractal of what could mm-hmm. go wrong when trying to coordinate people around the blockchain. <laughs> but uh, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you could they pretty much kind of turned Reddit into Steam, which is kind of cool. Like the donut, I saw the donut thing kind of going around, going around Twitter, people talking about it. Yeah, I initially thought it was mostly an experiment, but it turns out it was this one rogue moderator who wanted to try and um, monetize his own like upvotes because as soon as it's on Uniswap, you could like sell them for ETH. I think like Evan Van Ness, I remember he said that he or he he does week in Ethereum, right? So once a week he gets like. 500 upvotes and amongst other posts so he had a fuck ton of he was a donut whale and so he said he was able to get like two or three eth on the market for them so i mean th- it turns out it was actually money and then the the rogue eth uh moderator wanted to well, it wasn't money just idiots were buying it it had a market on uniswap and so the the that doesn't make it money there's a market it, for it it has, it has m- value it has value People were giving money for yeah. it. For, yeah. <coughs> oh, God, I can't believe I just said that. People were giving ETH for it. Yeah, you did just but... say that. <laughs> you, can't, you can't fall away from ETH's gravity. No. It's money, brother. <laughs> um, yeah, just a little Freudian slip right there. Look, mm. hey, there, people, things can be money in its little niche, just like the Venezuelan Boulevard is money in, Ven- in Venezuela. Well, t- I'm going to say this, and then we're going to talk about it later while I finish up the story, but ETH is money proportional to how Ethereum is financed. And so Ethereum's finance for like a population of like 10,000 people. So ETH is money for those 10,000 people. When we are the financial system for the whole entire world, then Ether is money for the whole entire world. We'll talk about this later. But it, this one rogue mod, mod puts donuts on Uniswap and makes them tradable for ETH. And then also also pulls a fucking Zuko and pays him like a monthly salary of donuts. <laughs> oh, he had a little dev reward. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I, I don't know ETH how much. Like, it. There's no way you can have like get that much value out of it because like I, I'm going to check the, the value of donuts on, on Uniswap right now, but I'm pretty sure it's fucking nothing. No one wants to buy I mean, those anymore. There's, I'm sure there's a lot of down, downward selling pressure, just like with Zcash. <laughs> like, if you look yeah. at the Zcash chart, mm-hmm. it just pretty much looks like one entity gets a lot of it and sells it every month. Mm-hmm. For, for, for Bitcoin. <laughs> or dollars. Yeah. They're literally just making money. Dude, Zcash is an abomination. It's good for Ethereum. Whatever. I mean, there's... It's fine. Like it's it's almost like a tax on the investors and holders to invent this technology, but the actual cryptocurrency itself is an abomination. Yeah, it's really just a project to experiment with um, zk snarks. I don't think donuts on here. If it is, I'm losing my desire to find it. So uh, one of the best talks at Bitblock Boom were talking about um, snore signatures and Taproot on Bitcoin in an upcoming. <laughs> soft fork and where it is in the progress and it was put on by a contributor to bitcoin optech which is an organization Mm -hmm. that puts out bitcoin research for bitcoin businesses and helps them uh, perform best practices in order to optimize usage of bitcoin Um, and he was putting on the presentation his name is mike schmidt he's definitely coming on the show really smart guy did a really fantastic job of really breaking down the upgrades and kind of how they would help Bitcoin. And 
really, really exciting, guys. There's some really awesome stuff that's going to help with Bitcoin capacity, Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin operations that you can do on chain. Um, so, for example, Wish, Snore Signatures, and Taproot together, um, you can create a transaction with hidden dependencies. So it can be a multi-sig transaction um, that has all of these different hidden dependencies in it um, that give a lot of features, right? So uh, option one, and it could be like, this is the option that works forever. Me and David each have a key to, un to unlock the UTXO. But it, written inside the actual transaction, hidden until it actually is activated, is like after nine months, Nancy gets a key and she can use that one key with either David or Christian to unlock the funds. And you can, there's a whole massive variety of different, um, of different kind of uh, ways that you can put this together and, you know, essentially say that after this amount of time, a key is generated here, or this person can use this key to unlock it and stuff like that. And you can actually create, you know, very, very simple uh, smart contracts, transactions with contingencies, if you will, um, with this future formatting in Bitcoin. And it's a soft fork, so it's backwards compatible. You can still use old signature schemes. You don't have to update. I think the only thing that's required is that you move up to Segway in order to, to use this. That's actually very cool. That's very, very cool. Uh, are these talks going to be in video form? Uh, so, yeah, I, I think most of the talks, except for the Michael Goldstein one, you'll have to pay to get. But, uh, oh. my, <laughs> yeah, so they're trying to monetize the, the, the recordings. I don't blame them. Hey, okay. uh, conferences are mm -hmm. expensive and hard, and you got to monetize. But they're sure. putting out the Michael Goldstein mm -hmm. one because, obviously, there's so much hubbub about because it. Because of reasons. But yeah, so I mean, we're definitely oh, gonna gosh. get Mike Schmidt on the show. Uh, definitely going to teach I'd you guys a lot more about you know these future upgrade proposals for Bitcoin and what their implications are. Is it possible for Bitcoin with these upgrades to become fully private or decently private? Uh, it would not be fully private, so UTXOs would still be transparent, but it would create a lot of privacy. So right now, if you do a multi-sig uh, multi signature, you can see that on the blockchain. If the multi-sig is like five of six, you know exactly like this is a five of six multi-sig to unlock this address. With Schnorr signatures, uh, it always looks like just one signature, no matter what the actual logic cool. behind it is. So cool. that one cool. saves a ton of space because multi-sig currently is more expensive to, to process on the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, so it would essentially create no tax for multi-sig in Bitcoin, which is really mm. big. Um, and it creates massive privacy because now all transactions look the same, no matter if they're multi-sig or not. Mm -hmm. So the only way that you can see the, the logic of the uh, signature is if you have the private key, which, which the private key is used to unlock the data that has the conditional logic. Is that how it works? So with Schnorr signatures, uh, again, I'm not super technical. Uh, do your own research. This is kind of my understanding. But essentially, if you have a multi-sig with a snore signature, um, you would all bring the keys together to perform the, the signature, and then it would produce one key, rather than signing with multiple mm -hmm. keys, which is currently how it's done with uh, the, the current signature format, which is called EDSA. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, that creates a lot of privacy benefits and, again, uh, efficiency benefits. Um, and then combining that with taproot that's when you can add in all the contingencies and like time-based or block-based 
uh, block height based contingencies. Is there a time frame for this? So it doesn't seem contentious, but you know everything in Bitcoin requires a lot of uh, information to diffuse and kind of social signaling before people feel comfortable. Again, it's a mm-hmm. backwards compatible opt in upgrade, so old right. nodes can exist and they're fine, and they you know they never have to have an issue. Um, but again, you know, there's going to be a ton of peer review. It's going to take a, you know, it's at least going to take a year, if not more. So the way that this would work is there's all of the nodes, which how many are, how many nodes are, are SegWit nodes? So they, I don't, it's, it's, you can't tell how many nodes there are. Um, essentially it's, I mean, what percentage? Percentage of transactions. I believe it's around, Mm -hmm. it's in the like mid forties. So it's like percentage of transactions have been in the mid forties. Um, but a, a lot of exchanges still use the transition, the, tra- oh, the, cool. the traditional formats. And so this new soft fork would come in inside of that 40%. It would be a, a new soft fork kind of layered on top of that old soft sure, fork. Yeah. So essentially the way that soft forks mm-hmm. work is they actually make less things possible. So, um, mm. everyone that had, you know, essentially it, like, Original Bitcoin pre-SegWit could do these things. SegWit said, Mm -hmm. we can do all of these things, but not these things. And then this... Christian just moved his hands closer together. Yeah, and it kind of like makes the the possibilities less Mm -hmm. from a, I guess, from a code level. But from a functionality level, Mm -hmm. it can can open a lot of things. It's, again, like I'm not a cryptographer, I'm not a developer... Uh, we need mm-hmm. to get a developer on to really explain how this works. But, uh, you know, theoretically, this next soft fork would also do that very. And then yeah, it has a lot of potential. But again, I don't like to talk about like this is going to happen. This is what it's going to mm-hmm. be like when it's going to happen. I want to wait for it to actually happen and then, uh, you know, see what happens from there. <clears throat> cool. Do you have any do you have any other thoughts before we move on? I don't have anything else uh, to say. No, I mean Bitcoin is innovating, that makes guys. Me bullish. Don't like the meme that Bitcoin is not innovating is is BS, and everything that happens in Bitcoin, uh, you know, is all about maximizing impact. So nothing is done that won't have a massive um, efficiency gain or mm-hmm. a massive uh, impact gain. You know, I've been thinking about the relationship between Bitcoin and Ethereum a lot and, and not just the communities, the actual code of the blockchain, right? And so like the whole Bitcoin's not innovating, Ethereum's innovating meme is true in one sense. And it's it's like there's a spectrum, right? And Ethereum seems to be going towards one side of the spectrum and Bitcoin seems to be going to the other side of the spectrum. And that's true on so many different things. Like Bitcoin is maximize the proof of work side of things and then that's there's a spectrum uh where you can go in the middle and then you're at decred and then you can go even further and then you're at proof of stake and so ethereum's maximizing for proof of stake it's maximizing for all the things that bitcoin has chosen to not maximize for right bitcoin is maximally proof of work it's maximally simple um it's you know maximally secure whatever you want to say and then ethereum is maximally proof of stake it's maximally expressive not maximally expressive but sufficiently expressive like it's for everything that bitcoin has maximized ethereum is trying to maximize for the other thing and so there i think there's actually this very um uh symbiosis i guess i would say yin and yang to 
symbiotic, yeah, uh, yin and yang to these blockchains because the the void when you maximize everything is about trade offs, right? So when you maximize for one thing, you lose the other thing, which means if Bitcoin's maximizing for all these things, there's this other area that that no one's maximizing for, and I think that's what Ethereum is doing. And I really do, and this is why when somebody tells me if I if somebody asked me like, okay, David, what should I do with my money when I buy into crypto? I say, buy Bitcoin and buy Ether and buy nothing else because you get exposure to everything just because in those two blockchains. It's like a very simple portfolio and you get to, you get basically everything in the whole thing. All of our Decred listeners are cringing. Yeah, you, you yeah. What? Well, Decred is just hard, harder to explain for a noob. And just, it's a little bit more speculative. If you want exposure to what crypto has to offer, which is proof of work, proof of stake, smart contracts, uh, UTXOs, like you get everything by just buying Bitcoin and Ethereum. And that's why I think there's only going to be those two blockchains. Basically. So are you stacking sats now? I have sats, yes. What's the strategy between Bitcoin and Ether purchasing? For, are you like from a dollar cost average perspective? Um, I'm going to, when Ether goes up in price, my line of credit goes up, right? Because not my, 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 uh, compound loan. I have more die I can draw and buy more Ether. So when ETH goes up, I'll buy with that because I already have a lot of Ether, a lot for like me, me personally amounts. Uh, and then I'll buy Bitcoin with cash because that's the only way I can get it. So I'll buy I'll buy eat my ether with my diet and I'll buy Bitcoin with my dollars. Makes sense. It actually kind of it, what's mm. funny is it is a little I, my strategy is a little bit like that too. I don't buy ether, but I bought those two miners like a year and a half ago, and I just mm-hmm. I mean there was a point where I was selling ether for Bitcoin, which is a fantastic decision. Like a year ago, <laughs> oh man, I was making a great trade, so yeah. I'm really happy I did that. Yeah. But mm. for a while, I just haven't been selling. Should go ether. back. But you know, I'm kind of just like you know. In purely in the crypto world, it definitely is easier to fuck around with Ether. You know, I'm fucking around with Ether miners and it's I'm getting Ether without really having to deal with the traditional system. With that being said. Yeah, your miners have been incredibly stable. It's pretty crazy. Them. I haven't touched them in forever. Thank thank you. And thank you for the free electricity, Hunter. <laughs> it's great. But yeah, so but and I'm buying Bitcoin for sure. Dollar cost averaging pretty much on a daily basis. You should stick your ether into compounds, draw a die, and then buy Bitcoin with that, and then you get both. But uh, Mike's if Bitcoin goes up, ether's going up too. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I like they don't produce that much ether, so I'm, I'm happy just where they are. Yeah, true. Uh, what else is happening? Anything exciting? Are you getting excited for Tel Aviv? Yeah, getting pretty fucking excited. I'm, I'm sad that we miss each other. Nervous. It's, yeah, it's, it's like a matter of hours. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I think I'm going to be there the 14th, I think, and you're leaving like the 13th. Yeah, I leave on the 13th. That is so dumb. I feel like taking a flight on Damn. Fl- on Friday the 13th is a really sketchy thing to do, especially <laughs> on an airline called Wizz Air going to Riga. <laughs> My days might be numbered, guys. What's funny is, is we're going to have um, James Presswich on here the 3rd to talk about TBTC and then you're probably going to meet him in Tel Aviv and then I'm also going to meet him in Tel Aviv. So we'll be bridged by James Presswood. <laughs> nice. So that'll be cool. Dude, uh, what, we have so many episodes on the in, in the mm-hmm. back. We have so It's great. Many. I mean, because I'm going to be traveling and we're not going to be able to record for a while. Mm-hmm. So just know that mm-hmm. we got a lot of episodes for y'all, even though I'm going to be gone. They, they won't be out of date. Evergreen, baby. 
Mm-hmm. All right, I'm just rambling yeah, now. I'm super stoked for that that James Preshwish episode. That's the, we are the perfect podcast to to get him on and to talk about TPTC. Yeah. So we're gonna figure out how the hell it works. Yeah, I'm excited to I'm excited to see how these things uh, continue to intertwine. I've been saying this, and mm-hmm. I think this meme has been picking up a little bit. But this is the Bitcoin space, and that includes Ether. Ether is part of it. So, uh, yeah, it's it's exciting. They see what's going on and how uh, these things are kind of turning in this feedback loop against each other. I'd like to get ahead of the whole who's who's sidechain. So, like, trustless Bitcoin on Ethereum. Does that make Ethereum Bitcoin sidechain? Or does that make Bitcoin Ethereum sidechain? And it's really just doesn't fucking matter. It's really your your perspective. It really just depends on what, where you are. If you are in the Bitcoin camp, then that makes Ethereum the sidechain to you. But if you're in the Ethereum camp, makes Bitcoin your sidechain. But and so like the way I view this is this: we have like this binary star system, and binary star systems are super stable, right? And so we have these two chains that are perhaps bridged by um, this this new innovation called TBTC, which we're gonna delve into when James Presswich comes on on the third uh, and Bitcoin block the Bitcoin blockchain and the Ethereum blockchain are going to literally hold hands and skip into the future of decentralized finance and so God. we need our communities to do the same fucking thing like we all need to just fucking hug it out and be happy that Bitcoin can do cool things on Ethereum and that Ethereum gets all of this fucking liquidity and value like we all need to be happy about this <laughs> it's okay. We can be happy for the other side. So I'm going to agree and disagree. I don't think anyone's going to be holding hands. I will firmly say that... I'll hold your hand. This We have a picture of us holding yeah, hands. Yeah, we, we can hold hands, but it <laughs> ain't going to happen between the blockchains. Um, but I can, I can firmly say that Bitcoin is the foundation and the backbone, and everything else is a sidechain built for Bitcoin with exchange middleware. So if Ethereans and other smart and other platforms like other current Bitcoin sidechains can figure out a peg and figure out how to do it trustlessly, you know, great for them, great for everyone else and great for Bitcoin. So I agree with you. We can be happy about this and we should be happy about it. It's all good for Bitcoin. Nothing is bad for Bitcoin, everyone. Get it in your if head. Bitcoin is the sp- the if Bitcoin is like the spine of the whole world, but Ethereum is the lungs, hearts, organs, and veins. Like who? It doesn't fucking matter. Like it's the same thing. And so when all so Bitcoin, you take your Bitcoin and you put it in DeFi, and then you get your your alpha on Bitcoin, right? There's going to be the Bitcoin if if or this you get wrecked. BTC works. Well, that's separate. <laughs> There's always a possibility you of getting get your wrecked. alpha, right? You're 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 gonna get like two to four or five percent return on your Bitcoin for lending it out in DeFi platforms. It's better than getting wrecked by Mt. Gox, anyways. Getting wrecked um, is getting wrecked, and which means you can have st- stagnant, static BTC on Bitcoin, or you can put it in Ethereum, get a two to five percent return on it. Which means all the Bitcoins are going to come on to Ethereum. Who's who's sidechain? Absolutely. Well, it doesn't fucking no, matter. No, there is risk associated with it, and that risk has a reward. So I definitely do not think it's the same. Uh, and then Bitcoin on Bitcoin's blockchain is the most secure. Um, one Bitcoin transaction creates much more finality than any other current blockchain. And even like based on the conversation that we had with Alex, it doesn't even sound like quote-unquote finality on the beacon chain is like one of these things that's like 
boom, final. It is something that is uh, that is a buildup, right? So right now, Bitcoin has the most finality, and that has a cost. That's called transaction fee cost, and it's very, very undervalued right now in terms of what people are paying for that finality. And when you put Bitcoin on Ether, that changes that situation. And then you look at like money Legos is such a funny idea because it's like, okay, there's these Legos that you can stack on each other and it's a great meme. Good job, David. David came up with that and it seems like it's going viral. Yeah, I did. But with that being said, like you have like compound two, which has barely even been, uh, which has barely even been audited and you are stacking lots of things on top of compound two, including a bunch of dye that's in there for C dye and all this stuff. Mm. Like, so there's a risk associated with that. So what happens if compound breaks? Totally. What are the contingencies for that? Right? You want to put your Bitcoin in there? Finance like, is there's risk. Issues. Finance is risk. There's always going to be risk. Totally. So there's no free lunch. You can't put your Bitcoin on Ether and boom, you just got more Bitcoin. It's not how it works. When we first there's made... risk associated. This is one of my favorite quotes from Amin. It's like, with the steam machine, it, we, it blew up a bunch of times and some people died. And then it started to work. And then it just works. And so that's, that's kind of the progress of smart contracts. Like they're going to blow up and they totally have, and they're probably going to be blowups in the future. And then they're just going to work because of Lindy, right? So every day that Compound and MakerDAO doesn't fuck up, it's another day that's probably not going to fuck up. I, I do think that if these things can go along for a long time and build up Lindy, there's going to be a lot more confidence in them. Mm-hmm. But that does not mean that there's not going to be a zero day in there. Like there could be zero days in Bitcoin mm-hmm. still, for sure. There's zero days in any of these things. Um, but I just think it's a little bit different and the risk profile is not something that people are taking into consideration when they're making these investment decisions. And I definitely think that a lot of people, um, rooting on for DeFi and ETH do not talk about these risks (laughs) very appropriately. Well, they're impossible uh, to see. really out and really try to help people understand what are the risks and what is the timeframe for these risks and... Mm -hmm. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. It's a it's a long tail of risks, which is inherently impossible to quantify. That's probably why we don't talk about them, and we don't want to think about it. Um, it's probably a really fat long tail of risks until Lindy kicks in, because what Lindy is is basically an indicator that the long tail of risk is a very skinny long tail of risks, not a fat one. Uh, and so all these risks are getting skinnier and skinnier as they go along. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like proof of existence. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just been around longer. Mm-hmm. So there's a value to that. It's a very strong heuristic. Totally. So going back to my binary star system metaphor. So binary star systems are like super stable because these two massive gravitational objects just orbit each other into space and time. But, and they last for a really long time, like, like quadrillions of years or whatever. I just made that number up, but a really long time. And then eventually one, they, they come into each other. They like collide and one eats the other. Or maybe they both eat each other. That's going to be interesting, but it probably won't happen in our lifetimes. So I think right now, Bitcoin is just less than 10x as big as Ethereum. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Bitcoin, according to coin market cap, so take it with a grain of salt, is 69% dominant against nice. all other shitty market caps. And then ETH is like, what, 7.2% dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, take that into account when you, uh, think of these, uh, things equal, <laughs> equal solar systems or, or whatever you just compared them to. Uh, one systems. is much, much bigger. And these things have, uh, 
compounding and uh, po- com- compounding effects and very positive feedback loops. Yeah, but Ethereum is a black hole of value. <laughs> Doesn't look like it. It looks like all the values in Bitcoin. All, all of Tether is going to Ethereum, bro. Step by step. Yeah, but the, that value is held in the central authority that is Tether, not in Ethereum. That's fine. And it, it's crazy to see these stable coins really becoming kind of like that secondary monetary unit in the crypto space. Mm. In my opinion, it's actually hurting ETH way more in terms of a trading pair from a trading pair's perspective than Bitcoin. You're talking about like it's being a parasite on ETH's, ETH's value? Or at least ETH's use case as money mm. in the crypto sphere. Mm-hmm. It's like, why do you need ETH as a trading pair? It's just more, it's more like an asset that you trade, you know, mm-hmm. Tether or BTC for, with, not necessarily like uh, the monetary unit people are measuring, except for in DeFi, which is tiny. Right. Um, so the way I view this is that you can use DAI, which is really good for Ether, because if you use $1 of DAI, there's $4 of Ether backing it. So that's super good for Ether. And then you can use um, centralized pegged stable coins with money in the bank and that's definitely not as good for ether but it's still good for ether because everything's all economic activity on top of ethereum is good for ether like it's just a, how good is it and i don't think it's actually possible to have a parasitic token on ethereum i don't think it works like that because event you still have to pay fees and there's always going to be what i think is the the DeFi premium which is going to incentivize uh uh uh, currencies like Dai, right? Anything that's actually decentralized, and so Ether and Dai are always going to have this permissionless decentralized premium, uh, and not necessarily value, because you can't have a value premium on Dai, but Dai gets the liquidity premium. Uh, and right now, I think the centralized stablecoins is like a great way for Ethereum to bootstrap itself when it doesn't have the market cap to pull on, you know, billions and billions of dollars of native assets on Ethereum. And so we can just use this token as a shortcut to represent off-chain assets to get a fuck ton of value on Ethereum. Uh, and that will pump Ether's price so it can grow its own bandwidth to generate the DeFi assets. Wait, so can you explain? So I understand how tokens on Ethereum, if they're stable coins, can help, uh, help Ether in terms of address usage mm-hmm. in wallets. I definitely see that how that has a positive feedback loop in terms of... Uh, that metric i don't know how impactful that metric metric actually matters but in terms of those centralized stable coins Mm -hmm. there is absolutely no staying power just like you saw tether Mm -hmm. uh you know flood away from omni there's really nothing to stop these stable coins from flooding into a different platform and all of the actual value is held in the centralized institution Mm -hmm. so it's not actually held in ether so like you said Dai is good for Ether, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Especially if it, um, you know, it, it holds for represents four x the value in Ether for every Dai. Mm-hmm. Granted, that is completely uh, inefficient. So yeah. to at some point, you know that that's that just shows that it's really just insiders have n- nothing better to do with their Ether. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, I I doubt that that will continue if if Dai succeeds more. Uh, I think that that collateralization ratio is going to go down probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but, or if there's other ways to other things to do with your ether, then maybe that collateralization ratio will go down as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do not think that the centralized stable coins are like, yes, this is fantastic for ether in the long run. I think that it's marginally helpful. Um, I think it's marginally positive, but not 
you know, is not a game changer by any means. So all of those assets, all those off-chain assets are coming to Ethereum because of DeFi, in my opinion, right? Um, I mean, maybe maybe Tether's mm-hmm. more for trading between exchanges, but I think... With- it's just simpler for exchanges. All of these exchanges, they just one less thing they have to, to manage. Mm-hmm. They already have an Ether node. Yeah. Maybe with Omni, true. you have to do more work. Yeah. Um, well, no, USDC has a pretty strong premium in, in DeFi. Like, you can get a 13% lending rate, borrow rate from, from USDC. So that's definitely there. Um, I don't know about Tether. I, I don't trust any of those. I, just, I feel like that is super, min- like, all, like, Gemini Dollar, USDC Circle, all of those people are spending money to make these things more attractive. And they're still getting crushed. No, the USDC market is definitely a true market, right? They don't, they don't. Because you can, it's just a market. It's it's, it's algorithmically generated. So maybe getting it without having to KYC yourself commands that. Premium. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Anyways. Who knows? I mean, stable coins without KYC—that is what people want, and that's why Tether is booming. Mm-hmm. I would agree. So, and if you Lindy. can get stable coins without KYC, and it's USDC. Like, I don't trust that. I think that it's Fed coin, and I think that Coinbase is going to, uh, at some point, have to. Um, instrument uh, KYC and tracking mm. for USDC, but uh, for the time being, they're not, and you can get it on DeFi without KYC. So I guess I, I can see how that has a premium. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm done. All right, I think this is a good little rant to catch up. For sure. um, you guys, check out our YouTube. We're going to be, are we going to be pushing these things out early on YouTube? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. If you want podcasts early, we're going to put the videos on YouTube before we put the audio on um, Libsyn. So, yeah, so our audio, we have a schedule twice a week, but sometimes we record these things like four in a row, you mm-hmm. know? So we don't always record them when we post them. What are we releasing uh, tomorrow? So, dude, we should have released one today, but I blew that. I blew it. We'll, we'll figure that out. We'll talk <laughs> offline okay. about that. But regardless, check out check out YouTube for, we're going to just, we're going to record and then post them live on, raw on YouTube. Um, so you can get the conversations right when we do it. And eventually we're going to figure out this live stream thing too, mm-hmm. but we're fucking it up. Yeah, right we now. are. Uh, if you're in the local Seattle area, I am doing a meetup on September 5th at Bad Jimmy's Brewery, which is in Ballard. Christian's going to be there, right? Hell yeah. yeah. I'm going to be there, baby. It's going to be great. Maybe I'll bring some Bitcoiners with me too. Yeah, uh, I could actually use your help in explaining like monetary history and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, so you might, I might pull you, pull you in on that one. Um, but yeah, it's, an, it's through the Ethereum meetup page. There's like 800 uh, people in that group and there's a Facebook event. And so hit me up on Twitter and I can send you the link or whatever. But yeah, September 5th, 6 p.m., Bad Jimmy's Breweries. Tickets are $6 and you get two free beers. So it's a fucking deal. I'm basically subsidizing it. MakerDAO subsidizing it. Thank you, MakerDAO. I got a grant from MakerDAO. Um, they're dope. Uh, <laughs> and it's gonna be great. Thanks for the beers, maker. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna it's gonna be about Ethereum as an alternative financial system, uh, and so it's gonna be super interesting. Uh, fuck off, Christian. <laughs> and then after that, on September fifteenth, I'm giving a talk in uh, Tel Aviv at Ethereal, talking about uh, uh, Ether's role in Ethereum as an asset, uh, kind of defining Ether and what it is. Uh, and I think it's going to be fucking awesome. I definitely, I, I don't, I haven't looked at all the talks, but like, I definitely have the coolest talk subject at Ethereal. Like talking about how ether, like the ether asset, like everyone gives a fuck about that. So that's going to be pretty sweet. 
Are you, do you have a solo talk? Yeah. Uh-huh. Damn, that's badass, yeah, man. that's pretty cool. I got a few years before I get a solo talk at an event, but I'm pretty much all... You gotta, you gotta, you gotta write more. That's how, how you do it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, writing definitely helps, but mm-hmm. just too lazy... Too much shit going on. I don't know. The the key is you have to pump them out. And they don't have to be good, but you have to pump them out. <laughs> I, I mean, I agree that you got to produce. And honestly, you get better as you produce for sure. But for sure. Uh, that's David's strategy, y'all. It ain't good. He's just pumping that shit out. <laughs> I'm going to pump myself. Pump myself up. Word. Well, with that, let's pump the show. You can follow the show at POV CryptoPod. You can follow me at CK underscore Snarks. I'm getting a little bit memeier, guys. Twitter's Twitter's pretty fun when you troll. Listen to Michael Goldstein. <laughs> you can follow me at Trustless State both on Twitter and on Medium. Please give us those five-star reviews. They are like money to us. If you don't want to send us Ether, Dye, or Bitcoin to our addresses, conveniently found in our show notes, you can instead give us a five-star review, and that will count just as well. We so are we are paying for a redesign right now. So if you love POV and you want to help us make our logo less uh, amateur, send us some Ether, Dye, or Bitcoin. So we can pay for that. Yep. Heart, and, love. And actually, it, the, if you guys want fucking live-streamed fight nights, we need to buy software to do it, and it's kind of expensive. And so if you really want live-streamed fight nights, we could use some financial help. Damn, dude. We're begging. We're begging. <laughs> Help us, please. We're going to ICO POV. Oh, God. IEO, at least, okay? Yeah. We, we, could, we could dedicate 30% of all revenue to the token. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, let's just end it here. This is too much. See you, David. Is that, is that where you draw the line? Uh, no, we, we can't talk about this. <laughs> all right, I just hit stop. Stop.